Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Master amongst timers, Sages, the king of ring himself. But your boy, Thicky Smalls, Gerard Michaels, in the house. Three, two, one. Hey, it's your boy Thick here with my boy Slick to the right. It's Slick and Thick podcast back again. Mickey, we got special guests here. Today. This is a big one. You're this looking good. You're looking good. Thank I'm you, looking brother. good. We had to get dressed up. If because... you don't, if you could say so yourself. Oh, come on. <laughs> we got one a couple of these superstars. Not like the other. I look fucking fabulous, me. I fucking know what I am. Ah, <laughs> uh, you look good, dog. You look good. With us let's, today, let's talk, we have first New York legends, now Las Vegas legends, owners of Hogs and Heifers, Michelle and AR. What's up, everybody? Thanks for having us. So. That's my 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 aunt and uncle right there. Aunt, aunt and uncle, auntie and uncle. I, I'm from Jersey, so we say aunt. aunt auntie. I don't say auntie. Don't What's say up, I'm auntie? From, I'm not from New England. I'm not from New England. I'm not from New England. It's like aunt. Yeah, aunt. It's my aunt. It's my aunt. It's my aunt. It's my aunt. My uncle. It's my you cousin. Too could be coming with you. Oh, where's the application? I like it. So this is the 30th anniversary of Hogs and Heifers. Yes. You know, it's crazy. You know, my, my father called me today, found out that we were hanging out at Hogs and Heifers. He told me uh, to tell you that you owe him at like 10 ties. <laughs> so that's awesome. What is, what is that about? Well, 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 I'd say two. Fuck, I'd say two max because if he kept coming in with a tie, and it it's kind of on him. That's on him. <laughs> we'll pay for the first two. The other eight's on him. So I'm so, wearing a good. So time. for the people that don't know at home, explain to us first of all what is hogs and heifers, and and what why were you confiscating ties? Um, you know, hogs and heifers is just a kind of loud body. Raucous, rocking, fun, honky tonk. Um, you know, we don't really play by other people's rules. We make up our own rules. Uh, and ties were never allowed. You know, you came down to hogs to let loose. You came down to have fun. Get rid of the tie. Loosen up. I like that. Hogs. You know, your work day is over. Come on in. And so we would take your ties. And we didn't cut them off because I can't give my little scissors. I mean, that's <laughs> just not happening. Um, but we would take your ties. Right, and we have, it's actually one of our rules, no ties allowed. It's on our door. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we would just take your tie. So we didn't want to hang your tie. We didn't want, we'd just take your tie and throw it in the fucking garbage. I mean, we just <laughs> get rid of the tie. So uh, I had one customer who used to wear a Dr. Seuss tie. And he was allowed to wear that one tie only when he came. You that, he was the guy. You allowed yeah, it. We I allowed gave him the a Dr. business card, and there was a note on the back of it that said, "If he's wearing this particular tie, you can wear it. Otherwise, no <laughs> ties." But uh, yeah, yep. you know, if your dad came ten times <clears throat> with a tie what? on, then he was just vying for attention. And he just liked when the girls were. Like, <laughs> it sounds like Big G. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta stand yeah. up. What you got, Ars? Into the mic. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Hogs was like. Uh, at least Hogs New York City, where it was in the Meatpack District. So when they open at noon, Meatpackers would probably be there like 12, 2, 3. Then the construction guys come in, 3, like the 6. Then the Wall Streeters, the business guys, come in at 6. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was like, it's just an everyman bar. You know what I'm saying? If you want to come hang out, and, you know, take your tie off like the rest of us, man. Just be a regular person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's back in the day when, when uh, Meatpacking's not that same me packing anymore. Now it's all Gucci and, you know, the standard and and, and the skyline. Yeah, the and, neighborhood has really changed. So yeah. when we came into the neighborhood in 1992, um, it was, the neighborhood was 
like AR said, the meatpacking district would open. It was the ends of what meat market. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when I was a kid, I was my mother was in the restaurant business. Um, she owned a Cuban restaurant, believe it or not. Or Jews, go figure. <laughs> but the ambassador of Cuba used uh, to be There's there. a connection between Jews and Cubans. Listen, so I got it. I dated a Puerto Rican Cuban for a lot of years. That man used to get drunk and fight with himself. So, um, <laughs> how did that even happen? How did they hook up? They don't, they don't get along. The Cubans and the Puerto Ricans? All right, back to the suckling pig. <laughs> yeah. So, my mother owned this Cuban restaurant, and roast suckling pig was one of her specialties. And she used to go to the Gansport Meat Market, and she would go to Adolf Cousy Fine Pork and Provision, and she would get her roast suckling pigs. And I would go with her when I was a child, and there was this man there, this big man, and he looked like a pig. And um, that was Adolf Cousy, and he was the dad. And he would drop, you know, this baby pig in my arms, wrapped in, you know, bloody brown paper. Um, and so that was a childhood memory for me. And many years later, when... Hogs and Heifers opened on the corner of the Gansavort Meat Market. Adolf Cousy Fine Pork and Provision was the business to our right. So we did a bras for breast cancer thing for years where we'd pull all the bras down and we'd weigh them, but we would always go into the, into Cousy's mm-hmm. to use their meat scales to weigh our, our bras. And that bras is kind of like the ties thing. Well, where the bras we keep. The, bras, the ties get tossed. The, yeah, the, the bras, the females throw their bras up. Yeah, guys right? don't get up on the bar and throw their ties off. We just no, take their no, ties off. Yes, I know, but it's, it's yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's you charge it to the game a little bit. Like, <laughs> you, you're losing a, an ornament of clothing. <laughs> at, Absolutely. Uh, at <laughs> some, girls, yeah. some girls are like, whoa, 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 whoa. This bra's about $100, man. We'll come back with a cheap bra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so they want it back after yeah, so, back. so I got to well, give wait, a... Wait, back to the Ginsburg right, market. All right. So it was this real... Really, it was always a market of one sort or another. Um, it was a light industrial neighborhood, and it was one of the earliest markets in New York City. Cobblestone streets. Yep. Cobblestone streets. Um, and so at that time, there were a lot of fetish clubs there. So the meat houses would open up at, you know, two in the morning. Mm-hmm. There'd be meat trucks, refrigerated box trucks humming on the streets because they had to keep running. And... Uh, you had tranny hookers all over the place. Mm-hmm. You had a club called uh, The Lore. That was down the street, leather, uniform, rubber, et cetera. And you'd walk down there and there'd be like a, a half circle cage out front, mm-hmm. you know, with some guy in it with a ball gag you know, in his mouth mm-hmm. and, uh, and like weird random pornos all around you. And then on the other corner of 13th, of, uh, 13th and Washington, um, there was uh, the Click Club and Jackie 60. And that was predominantly lesbians. And if you were a man, you couldn't go there. If you didn't have, if a woman didn't have you on her arm, uh-huh. you mm. couldn't get in. Gotcha. And then down the street was a place called the Vault, and mm-hmm. that was really out of control. There were like circle jerks going on in that place. I mean, there was just it was such an insanely random neighborhood, and it went through these different mm-hmm. times of the day. Um, it was it stunk to high heaven. Like yeah, the, the meat fat the again, meat. the cobblestone. Yeah. Oh my god, it was horrible. Really? So over the years, as it started to transition and become a more popular neighborhood, and higher end businesses started moving in, there was this weird point where there was still a lot of you know that nightlife happening. Mm-hmm. You know, from the seedier edge of life, and the meat market, and then there were your girls rolling around in their Louboutins. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. slipping and sliding meat fat on the street. It was just brilliant. I mean, if I were a mugger back in that day when that transition started, 
I wouldn't be wanting people's money. I'd be taking their fucking shoes. Mm. You know, like mm. looking at the color of the sole. Those are red sole shoes. Hey, honey, give me your shoes. Them red bottoms. You know, give me your wallet. Keep the cash. I'll take the Gucci wallet and just go sell that shit. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you had to watch when you were a bike, you know, yeah. when you're pulling out of there or a car. Because you get up, you want to throw that throttle down. You got to worry about the back end, you know, getting loose because of the meat fat. Yeah. Down there, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just stuck down there. It was the greatest yeah. neighborhood. Yeah, it was. And now you got the Hotel, yeah. and it's, you know. You have to understand it. That's the, they called it the walking destination because the, the nearest subway ran along 8th. So you had to traverse over two long avenues. Two long avenues just to even get there, you know. So. Buses didn't go there. Mm-hmm. You know, public transportation didn't go there. So you took a taxi there, or, you know, you got off the train. So I have to I have to give a little background um, for the squares who don't know about the baddest bar in Vegas and and its reputation in the world. Yeah, fucking a. Um, so and I got to use one forbidden word while I do it. If anyone's seen Coyote Ugly, oh, I have to go there. I have to go there to, just to, for the visual for the squares. This is for the squares. All right. Hell no. H2O. Now. Uh, Coyote Ugly, the people who made that movie, and correct me if I'm wrong, they wanted to make a movie about hogs and heifers. And you guys were kind of like, fuck off. And they went ahead and made their movie on, and but just called it something different. And used your guys' whole, your guys' vibe. The dancing on the bar, the the, the girls talking shit, the the whole honky-tonk oh, vibe. Right. Like, it's clearly so it's cl- Right? It's uh, a, it's a, uh, the, the, actual the actual story. The actual story. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, there's a woman that wrote a book called uh, Eat, Pray, Love. Mm. I'm drawing a blank on her name right now. Good book. I read it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Coyote Ugly and Hogs and Heifers opened right around the same time. All right. And there was a woman named Liliana Lavelle, hardworking lady. She used to work at the Village Idiot, which was a bar in New York City. It was owned by a man named Tom McNeil. And she was his head bartender. And she was dynamite. She opened uh, Coyote Ugly. She opened right after Hogs and Heifers opened. So my first husband, Alan Dell, used to hang out at the Village Inlet. And he and his friends basically, you know, lived in, a, in some ramshackle, you know, basement apartment in the East Village and would hang out at the Village Inlet. Mm-hmm. He talked his father into lending him some money and he was going to open this bar. We met while he was building the bar. So he opened Hogs and Heifers. Coyote Ugly opened shortly after that. So they were two separate bars. Got it. And I can't, you know, trash a woman who's in the bar business. I mean, God bless her. It's a hard business. Mm-hmm. And it's a hard business to be a woman in um, when you're up against kind of the good old boys club in that industry, right? There, so the woman that wrote this book, Eat, Pray, Love, she worked there for a brief period of time at Coyote Avenue. And she wrote an article, I think it was either in GQ or Rolling Stone, I think it was GQ, about her job and her experience there. So... That turned into a script that Disney picked up and Bruckheimer signed on for. Mm. So the genuine beginning of it was indeed about Coyote Ugly. It's just that when it came time to film, they didn't like Coyote Ugly. They liked Hogs and Heifers. So the dancing on the bar, the collecting of the bras, the, you know, you know, rassling the crowd, Mm. the microphone, it was a megaphone. Um, all of that started in Hogs and Heifers. They were definitely different bars. And we all have to pay homage to Tom McNeil because it all began with the Village Idiot, which was the nastiest, seediest, shittiest dot fart. You just, 
the place smelled like vomit. It was out of control. Sick. Soaked into the floors, right? Gerard just got hard. (laughs) (laughs) He loves him a dive. I love you a dive. You know, when they started filming, they filmed uh, all the exterior shots down the street from us. They literally rebuilt the exterior of the bar. We had crew coming in for weeks on end. They would drop scripts on our, you know, bar top. They'd bring me, you know, the plans for the sets. And they would say, they're literally telling us to go to a bar. So they sent Tyra Banks in. Oh, shit. It was a pretty boy that was in it. Uh, I can't remember his name. I wouldn't watch um, that shit. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't, I've never watched it. It's unwatchable. I'm not going to lie. I've never watched yeah. it. You know, we always said, you know, someone would order water and we'd be like, yo, motherfucker, I got a pussy in my pants. I don't need one drinking in my fucking bar. <laughs> Get your hand off your dick, put it on your fucking wallet and buy a fucking shot. Let's do this, right? Pretty that, sure you said that all last night. I did. The, Dis- <laughs> the Disney version was, hell no, H2O. Um, yeah. You know, wow. they dogged our style. They dogged our routine. It is what it is. You know, mm-hmm. if it looks like a ripoff and smells like a ripoff, did you, did you ever like think about going to get some of that guap? Did you ever think about going in there and been like, "Hey, successful movie you got there"? <laughs> Would love uh, to, because I mean, look, yeah, some of them lawyers. Listen, uh, you know, it took them years, but uh, the Bayonne Bleeder, man, the Bayonne Bruiser, Chuck Webner, he ended up getting his money out of uh, uh, out of Stallone. Stallone. You know, you know, some things are worth it, some things aren't. The press gave us a very fair shake. Um, I don't like getting tied up in lawsuits. You know, yeah. I was just tied up in one for a number of years. It's brutal. It's exhausting. Want to talk about it? Just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> we're not talking about it. Um, you know, it's draining. It's an exhausting thing to do. And at that time, when you, if you want to sue a, a Hollywood feature mm-hmm. film, yeah. you know, you've got to put down at that time, right? It's like a $5 million bond. Ooh. Yeah, you're I mean, up against not, it. And you're really up against it. Well, the idea, I guess, is to make it like, you know, hard enough on them that they just say screw it and settle out with you right I mean I mean, that... we're just two different places you yeah. know she franchised and then she wanted to buy her franchises yep. back she didn't like the way they were running yeah they do something that's a lot more tongue in cheek and it's you know orchestrated it's choreographed yeah Everybody so flips their hair Here's for the people that don't know Coyote Ugly girls sweat that's that's all I got to say. I Hot would say because Coyote <laughs> Ugly in Daytona Beach, Florida is pretty nice, and I I would say that it's like um, Ar's leaving. Ar's done. Ar's done. Go yeah. find Dominic the bookie. I would say that, uh, yeah, like they're we the straighten this guy. They're out. the PG version. They're like you they guys. Are. You guys are are yeah, you know, NC seventeen. They're PG. That, that would yeah. be the best way to put it. I think. I never wanted to franchise. I can't live in that world. I can't live in a world that's that corporate. Mm. I can't function in a world where a manager can't, you know, give a hug to an employee they've worked with for years because it might make somebody else feel uncomfortable. Gotcha. I don't live in a world where things are fair. You know, fair is a good place to go in front of a world and get some fucking cotton candy. Nice. I like that. You learn it, then you drop the L. Yeah. And and the world has changed, right? Now it's a very fair world. And, And it's not about politics or any of that. To me, it's just about, you know, being responsible for who you are, Working for somebody is a contract. You make a deal. We're going to pay you. You're going to perform. Well, let me ask you that, though. Let me let me ask you that, too, though, because the world has Jeremiah, know, changed. Um, and I, I'm not a big fan of the new normal whatsoever. Well, you're a comedian. You can't be. I'm not a fan. Can handle comedy whatsoever. Comedy so, is being decimated. Yeah, it's been. It's you know what the, the thing is about it too. It's it's inorganic. 
It's not the people that are ever actually offended. Everybody's offended on behalf of somebody else. Right. And they're never actually offended on behalf of anybody else. It's just a power play. It is. And, and you know, here it's you a are. It's a jerk reaction. Maybe it's an overcorrection. Like, you know, anybody that looks at the at the Me Too movement, for example, right? There's nobody that could ever watch. I always use, um, what was it, uh, Family Feud back in the day with Richard Dawson going up and just mouth-raping like, all yeah. the girls. It's like, all right, maybe, you know, anybody looks at anything that Harvey Weinstein ever did, and you're like, yeah, dude, that guy's a monster. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. For sure. Right. But, you know, and then the other side of it now becomes like... The extreme of it. Where yeah, it's, it's just, an overcorrection. Oh, they yeah. brushed her breast you know i mean it's things that are just sure and then there's the antagonistic stuff well, where the it's over like correction minimizes the severity of the very real aspect of the me too movement yeah because it's inorganic they never they actually don't care about the victims they just think that they can use the victims as a stepping stone for their own power right so then the trans the, what, I, what i'm eventually going to transition into getting at here is you run a business that's very non-pc Fucking right, yeah. hell yeah, and it's what makes it great. And yeah. here you are in this PC world. Have you have you had to change the way you do business? Have you had to? I mean, how are you? This is year thirty. This is your thirtieth anniversary here. Uh, I gotta imagine this is not like nineteen ninety two. Oh no, not at all. Yeah. So, you know, what what? Uh, how do you navigate this this new normal with such? You know, I mean, because businesses like yours deserve to exist. There there's there's a place for hogs and heifers in this world. Is there? I often feel like there isn't anymore. You know, I wonder whether we've, sometimes I wonder whether we've outlived our ability to survive in a world that has become, we've outpolicied ourselves in mm -hmm. every way in our society. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't write a handbook for a business like mine and policy and empathy and decency and common sense yeah. and, you know, a sense of benevolence and a sense of humor and a work ethic. You can't policy those things in. Yeah. So my thing I say now is hashtag bosses too because everybody has rights except for the boss. And now right. the boss is a villain in the world and everybody wants to take down the bosses. I'm a small independent business owner. I have no partners, I have no investors. Um, and, you know, I, my staff, I know my staff. I mean, I, I'm older now, so I don't know every single one of them as well as I used to, mm -hmm. but I can't tell you how many of the people that work for me. I know their kids, I know their parents, I've watched their children grow up, mm -hmm. I know their siblings, I know their life stories. I mean, they're my family, I call them my kids, I care about them very deeply. So for us, we never had a handbook. We were all adults. People make mistakes. You don't get a demerit. I don't live in a demerit world. I live mm -hmm. in a world where you come in and we sit down and we talk about it and we figure out the solution and we move forward. We either grow and learn or we don't. Um, so it's also personal responsibility. Yeah. You, you, took, you, know, you didn't blame everything on anyone else. You know? it's your, you, your action was your decision. You know, yeah, that's a that's a really great point, Ar. And you know, it's one of the weird things about the world today is like these they want to hold everybody accountable but themselves. Everybody is accountable for everything that's ever happened ever throughout history. You're accountable for things that happened 500 years before you're born, but you're not accountable for anything that you do right now today. You know, it's always somebody else's fault. Something you know, and you're in a situation where again you talked about how litigious this society is, and it's like you're running a bar that that I mean. Listen, I see liability everywhere. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. I love. There's I mean, a reason we have 30 cameras inside and 15 out. 
Yeah. And there's a reason we have so many people on our floor, right? Whether, I don't care who it is in my company, if you're security, if you're a porter, if you're a barback, if you're me, yeah. and you see a spill on the floor, it's actually on our job application. You see a spill on the floor, you're on your way to the bathroom, you see a spill on the floor, what do you do? And there's four yeah. options, right? One of the options is you ignore it and you keep walking. Well, if you fill that option out, you're not getting hired. Yeah, everybody's but, very diligent with you know, that type of stuff. Places me, meticulously clean too. Very meticulous. You can't yeah. have people following the slip and falls are a huge liability. And everybody wants to make a quick dime and insurance companies. Slip and falls are a huge liability, but then at four o'clock in the morning you had thirty girls dancing on your bar last night. So Well we keep that bar very dry. <laughs> <laughs> and and actually so this is the interesting thing and this is why I can never franchise what I do the way I do it now. <laughs> If I were to ever franchise it, it would change. I'd have to change it and box it in a little bit more. And, and You'd be a sellout. Then you'd be a sellout. Well, because essentially everything with us is, is controlled chaos. And there is a lot of spontaneity in what we do. But these are the things you can't policy in. I have to teach people to be conscious, to have spatial awareness, to be able to multitask. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're a Starbucks world, right? Everybody, you you pour the cream and, yeah. and you pour the coffee and you take the money and Systemized, you handle yeah. this and you write on the cup and it takes five people to get a fucking cup of coffee, mm-hmm. right? An individual needs to be able to multitask. They must have common sense. They must pay attention to details. They must be able to read people. They must be able to look at the women on the bar and notice if one of them's a little wobbly. Oh, she has high heels on. Look, she's backing up too close, maybe to the lip, mm-hmm. the edge of the bar. You've got to tap her and make sure she knows that's there. If she's not paying attention, then we have to find a nice way to get her off the bar so she doesn't get injured. You have to teach your security staff to pay attention to stress signals. When do my girls' voices change? Mm. Is there a problem occurring? My girls have to learn how to troubleshoot and find out, you know, you've got an aggressive group of customers and they're having a great time. They're drinking. Maybe there's one guy in the group that's the buffoon and he's just getting a little louder and a little more obnoxious. Mm -hmm. That girl's got to be able to call security over subtly and say, say, those guys aren't a problem yet. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. one guy in that group's a little aggressive. Sure. Then my security can walk over and talk to the guy Who's got it together? You in the find group. the one guy who's sober and yeah. say, "Hey, yeah. we know you guys are having a good time. Your buddy's a little over the top. I gotta know you're going to keep an eye on him, so we can all stay having a good time. We don't have to ask anybody to leave tonight. That is how you chop the shit." So let me ask you on that end too, because some of your clientele—I mean, you guys—you guys have some rough and tumble characters that come through there, right? So I mean, you guys—you uh, yeah. know—I mean, last night there was uh, an entire parking lot full of uh, Harley Davidsons out back, man. So I mean, uh, and one of the biggest signs when you're walking into the place, one of the first things that, that you notice it says "No colors, no colors inside." No cuts, no colors. No yeah. cuts, no colors, man. No patches. So I mean, how, again, how do you reconcile a, being, you know, attracting that sort of clientele, but then at the same time? you know, maintaining this liability-free environment that you're talking about. It seems counterintuitive almost. Yeah, making your own rules. Well, it's not about making our own rules, too. We're, we're down a casino district, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, and unfortunately, uh, uh, some of these clubs will become violent or shoot on site, you know? And the, the, the in the motorcycle world, they say uh, it's not the, the, the patch that makes the man, it's the man that makes the patch. So we're just like, listen, you know, we... You can't have any colors in here. First of all, because the casino district, and second of all, we're Switzerland. Yeah, we're Switzerland. Yeah. If, you, if you want to take your jacket off, I'll take your cuts and you know into your office or you leave them on your bike. We just can't have them in the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Have you guys ever had any trouble in there? That uh, yeah. Has that, anyone that... ever like had a problem with that? Had an issue with that? 
<laughs> so you got, you got a story there, about that? I'm not going there. No. Huh? No, not going there huh? This is you like know. asking Dominic the bookie who his, who, who his best story, clients are. One story. One story. One story. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing, right? I think one of the things that is magical about hogs is that we really try to understand all the variety, variety of culture um, that comes through our doors. And we try to understand the different lifestyles that come through our doors. You have to speak to people like people on their terms. Right? Clubs have a hierarchy. So if the president is on site, he's going to want to talk to the boss. Mm-hmm. Right? I respect I are as the boss. I respect me as the boss. If I'm not there, it's the next boss. So that's my, you know, my head of security. Um, he, you have to understand the language of people. You have to understand, you know, so maybe it's, it really is just about learning how to talk to people and, and it's verbal judo, right? So there's a lot of great people that are in clubs. I just don't want anyone claiming my home as their territory. It's my home and everybody's invited. So nobody gets to come in and, and stake their claim or, or create any form of intimidation. If you will. This is the problem is though too that they call them citizens. A lot of these, a lot of these people who are buying these support shirts or whatever online. They walk in and don't realize there's there's ten members of another club that don't get along. You know, I had one of our regulars. Guy's about eighty years old. He walked in a support shirt when there's uh, an opposite <laughs> club. You know, and I looked and I go, "What the fuck is your problem? What are you doing all that?" I goes, what? I go, I grabbed my throne in the, in, in the uh, merchandise store. I gave him a hot shirt. I go, who are you wearing that shirt? It's 15 of those guys right there. I'm going to go talk to him. And I went back and said, bro, he's just a drunk old man. You know what I'm saying? I don't know where he got the shirt from. He's big one online. That's not a problem. But, you know, uh, most people that will buy a support shirt don't realize that if you're in the wrong neighborhood, It'd be like wearing a, like wearing a blood, uh, blood shirt. Yeah, Brit support your local blood. Support your local blood. Yeah. It's, you know, so yeah. a lot of times, you know, the clubs are good. They take it off. You know, well, I don't have a shirt. They will fuck take it off, you know? Yeah. Uh, if they don't, if they don't take it off quick enough, uh, they might get a little motivation to do well. So, <laughs> again, we try to stay, we try to stay away. Uh, little Switzerland. And watch, I've had a lot of guys come and go, dude, I love this place. I'm not watching my back all the time. You know, it's about happening. Yeah. So. And a lot of it is about who you hire. Yeah. Right? So you have to hire a security team that has a, verse, a diverse skill set. Mm. Right? So as much as you want, you know, the, the clean Joe who can talk to Metro and talk to city agencies and deal with inspections, you also, you know, I've hired a lot of felons over the years. Um, you know, as long as you haven't done anything to women or children, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you haven't, you know, it's not something that is just horrific. Everybody goes through what they go through in life. People slip, they fall, they make mistakes in life, they get get it together, mm-hmm. they have an opportunity to rebuild their life. But one of the things about hiring, you know, men that have been in the system is they have an incredible, incredible uh, uh, ability to see for spatial awareness, yep. to read people. They know what tattoos to look out for. They know what symbols and, and colors and body language. It, it's an entirely 
and if and that skill set, you know, mm -hmm. you, you position yourself in a place where you can see everybody that comes and goes. Mm -hmm. You know, you're constantly reading, constantly reading, and in in that moment, you know, you have to to know your team and know who's the right person to deal with what situation. Because if you can speak on a common ground, on a common level, you can diffuse something. So if you understand the nature of the person that you're dealing with, and they know you understand. Because people just want to be heard, right? It's perfect yeah, judo. They respect. want to be heard. So you got to... Yeah. One of the main things, too, is not coming with aggression. <laughs> if you come with aggression, you met with aggression. Right. You know what I'm saying? And if you have a guy that has a little street experience or maybe a little jail experience, they're comfortable in that situation. It's not going to freak them out, you know, and, and you go up and deal with somebody one-on-one, -on -one, you know, without, you know, again, coming aggressively where the other male, you know, because there's ego or whatever, is not, not going to put up with it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you just go and reason with people for the most part. Like I said before, you have a bachelor party, a bunch of guys, you guys got all that. Hey, pal, I don't see you guys all leave. What's your friends here, man? You got him, you keep going, that's good word about it. We got it, we got it. Yeah. You know? So a lot of it too is when you say with security is come when they come through the front door, you know, what's their body language like? Are they loud? Are they, you know what I'm saying? How they move, you know. If you wanna pull a fuse, you know, out of the bomb before they have a chance to light it, you know what I'm saying? So right. a lot of times we go through too, I'll see something and I'll go by and go, yo, watch the plot, you know, for you know, so we're all on the same page. I just guy had too much to drink. He just got up off the stool for the last hour, and he, you know, and, and, and his, lungs, his legs are numb, you know. Um, you know, and, or you see a lot of times you think a guy might have a little drink. Go watch him inside the bathroom. Is he leaning against the wall? Yeah. Is, is he, you know what I'm saying? If he, is he, uh, Thanks, Michelle. Uh, you know, is he is he stumbling when he's coming in or out, you know, and just to see his vibes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and a lot of it's just... You want to be, you want to be ahead of the curve. You want to, you know, you want to again pull the fuse before there's a chance for the bomb to be lit. And your security team is like elite. Like last night, Gerard was like talking about how it said like not like no no colors in there. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I mean, the baddest group. Look at these guys. They're all like NFL linemen. Yeah. They're all like the size lot, of NFL linemen. Lot, all tough dudes. Like, like they're bad motherfuckers. A lot, in like, a lot of them have been trained by the U.S. government, too. A lot of them are vets. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I know you guys are big supporters. Yeah. 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 Again, it's interesting. You know, you bring together a diverse group of people that can, between them, have the strengths to handle a variety of situations. Mm -hmm. You know, our rule is if, if one of our, you know, one of our security guys has uh, had to escort somebody out and <clears throat> that person has been extra aggressive, you know, you've been swung on, we're going to get that security person that is that that is the person that the customer's focusing on. We get them out Away. of the picture as fast as possible. Yeah, we call it. Call Diffuse it. it. Yeah, we call tap it tapping them out. out. Yeah, you come up, you tap the guy out. You can see that it's getting way too aggressive between and you can see the guy... Mm -hmm. That's dealing with is now catching feelings, and my over there. So you tap out. Yeah, I got this guy. Yeah, give him four and new scary faces. Stand to look out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four scary face comes well, in. Goes, you know, one of the things that really stands out about your bar, especially growing up in the, in the Jersey Shore and going to New York clubs and stuff like that, it, the, the respect environment is really, really palpable. Like there's nobody bumping into each other. There's nobody flexing on each other in the place. Like I was telling him last time I went to DJ's, man, I lasted exactly 35 seconds before you know I, it, it turned into a melee. 
because people <laughs> people you know bump into you. Yeah. And I don't care. Punch me in the chest, and as long as you acknowledge it, be like, my bad. You're cool. I don't care. But when you blast into me, you know, like especially at DJs where it's like 45 minutes to get a drink, and then it's a twenty dollar drink, and then you make me drop the drink. That's it. It's, yeah. it's hands on site. That's it, <laughs> you know. And and it's it does. It, it it's really uh, weird. A lot of respect in the bar environment. Yeah. Like how quickly, like things can go wrong, dude. How, <laughs> it's like like that. And yeah, and I'm a time bomb myself, man. Like if I feel disrespected or something like that, it's like you know, in my head, I'm trying to count down from ten, but it's like I, I get to four before it's like let's jump, you know. Security is our biggest uh, payroll investment. Security? Yes. I would figure it. Sure. Oh, payroll so, investment. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I don't, it doesn't matter to me whether it's a pack night or not a pack night, right? Six guys on my floor. I need, you know, maybe it's eight guys on an event like this. Sure. We've got a team of 20. So we have people on the street. We have people in the back. We mm-hmm. have people throughout the floor. <clears throat> to me, it is, it, it's the most important expense for a business like mine. We must provide an environment where we are able to be instantly responsive mm-hmm. in a calm and collected way, where we can tap somebody out, there are enough people to resolve it, where if there's an instant an issue mm-hmm. and most of my security runs outside, well, now you need a guy in the back. Is, is this something that evolved when you came to uh, Vegas? Because I, I remember going to, to Hogs in the city, and I don't remember there being this many... It wasn't nearly as that bar was one third. Yeah, yeah, 900 yeah. square feet. No. Yeah. It, it, still, it, was, it was a great closet, right. man. That place was awesome. But, but we still, I mean, we had a guy at the back of the bar. We had yeah. a guy at the back door. We had a guy, uh, at, you know, two guys at the front door. We probably yeah, had but some of, my, some of the guys that at worked there. At least four guys on any night. That, listen, you got to be at least, you know, six foot five, 400 pounds for me to call you big. Everybody was there's Big Joe. No, you're just Joe. So, there was guys that was Big Joe, there was Big Ted, there was Lee. These guys made me look six, made me look eight like kids. Slim, yeah. kids, Slim is bro. visiting with us here yeah. this week. He's he's working. He used to work for us in he's, New York. We a couple people pounds. out. He's just but he's slim is four hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah, but you yeah, want Slim on your front door because yeah. he's yeah. he's fun and he's friendly and yeah. he's got, got a great personality and he's got a big booming voice and he makes it fun when you walk in the door. You just don't want to be the guy that gets walked out. No, you know, hell like, no. Because you're going to push Slim and he's yeah. not going to move. Roadhouse rules. Be, be nice until it's time to not be nice. You got Dalton. So, uh, Michelle, tell me about uh, about the girls. Now, do you kind of do you kind of train and instill like your uh, kind of like tenants into them and your vibe into like cause, you know what I mean? Like, uh, t- like tell me about that. Like, how does that work? You like train them? Well, I, you know, I've always called it my finishing school. Okay. Um, so. It is definitely a particular type of a woman that we're looking for, right? And not every girl that comes to work for me has all of the characteristics I need initially, but if I can see that can be she's taught. capable of it, right? That it's there, it's inside of her. Um, first things first, you gotta have rhythm and you gotta be able to shake your ass on a bar. So it's not about taking your clothes off or taking money from customers while you're dancing on a bar or people aren't allowed to touch my bartenders. It's about being able to command a room. It's about being able to command space. You know, to draw attention, you need a big, loud, booming voice. Um, you know, have a sharp tongue. You got to have a sharp tongue and a good wit. I I look for girls that are intelligent. 
Yeah, it's because very humor, witty. Because it's not just about cursing and cursing and cursing and, oh, show your tits and, oh, buy a fucking shot and, oh, you know. There is a huge amount of wit and humor if you really pay attention to oh, for sure. these girls. They build things that are off of culture, off of experiences, what's Fresh. happening on, in the world, off of fashion, off of politics. I mean, they really have to pay attention and they have to learn the music, which is one of the hardest things. You know, our jukebox is... There's very little new music on our jukebox. Most is the playlist is incredible. You need to. I hope it's on Spotify. If it's Told not you. on Spotify, no, it's not on Spotify. So one day I'm going to build a business where we sell, where we build playlists for people. Playlist is awesome. Um, so myself and Tiffany, our bartender manager, and Maddie, one of our lead girls, uh, built that set list. Um, it took us like 60 hours. Maddie was the little girl I was showing. Yeah. Like, she does her thing. She's I, and amazing. I, heard, I hear I hear people go like, "Wow, there's only one Maddie." Like when she gets on the on the <laughs> so bar so This is the other thing about controlling an environment: mm-hmm. music, how you move people. Yeah. Right. You're moving people through music. Totally. So you can play if your music gets too aggressive, too aggressive, too aggressive. That's the moment that some guy's going to smack a girl on the ass, mm-hmm. and then the other guy's gonna, a fight's going to break out. You have to recognize when a peak is building. And then you have to know how you bring it down. So much psychology and to be taught and learned is. in Hogs and Heifers it here. It is, man. right? Yeah. You know, you, you move judo. from, you know, all of your like hardcore death metal. And then all of a sudden you're moving into love songs. Mm-hmm. You know, all you need is love. Sweet Caroline. Mm-hmm. Songs that everybody knows. Western that, ballads. That change. Yeah. It just changes. It's something. It, it's about bridging generations and bridging cultures and, and, and. Finding that way that you bring an entire room together in a good spirit, mm-hmm. right? The end of the night is not the time to be pumping your death metal. That's the time yeah. that you want everybody to calm down. The whole bar turns into karaoke. When they're making, when they're making the set list, right? They, I mean, you have to understand, this goes from noon till four in the morning. There's not a repeat of any song. Yeah. Right? So, all, I got to witness part of that making of the yes, set list. I was staying at the house. There, yeah. yeah. Having fun and smoking. Going, okay, yeah, got, you got to do a little smoke. We, we should have recorded got, that. Yes, we were saying, I told you. That was like that was like, like, like it got, was like American Idol. Uh, we, got, we, like, got, we got three different parts of this song. We got we got uh, Johnny Cash's version, and then we got the uh, and then Stones we got the Elvis version. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think? What do you think is going to work? I was I was taking notes, man. I was taking notes last night. I was like, yeah, dude. Hold their phones up. Yeah, I was like, man, what is this red bandana down in Mexico song? was a jam yeah. yeah 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 yeah. oh yeah that's a classic the music's fun it's one of my favorite things um you know we dj uh but we do it differently yeah. i mean it's it, you know that's that's your guys thing it's so original it's 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 just so original you know where, where did the name hogs and heifers come from um so my first husband alan passed away in 1997 but he and his two best friends Mick and Jim, um, and they all hung out at the Village Idiot, and they were trying, they had this, you know, let's open a bar, and we'll drink for free, and we'll get laid, because, you know, bar owners are like rock stars, and drum the drummer, you know, in the band, mm-hmm. so they just figured they'd get drunk for free, and, and they'd get laid a lot, right? There's so much more to it. Um, <laughs> but, so they were sitting in the Village Idiot, and there was a sign on the wall for a heifer auction. So a heifer is essentially a virgin cow, a cow that's not been bred yet. And they were like, you know, bikes and chicks and... So bikes, hogs. Bikes were the hogs and uh-huh. the chicks were the heifers. And so hogs and heifers was born. And then they found location in the meat market. 
Um, and we had a beef house on one side and a pork house on the other. Oh, and it was shit. perfect. It was hogs, hogs and everest. We had the corner on the meat market. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's where we came from. That's awesome. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I had always, uh, I had always heard, uh, the old goombas back in the day calling, like, some women out. She's a heifer. The heifer. Yeah, she's a heifer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's a she's a heifer. That's what you thought it was. That's yeah, what you thought that's what I thought. I thought that's honestly. I didn't know it was a virgin cow. Yes. No, I didn't know. That was news to me. Yeah, and I, and I, a heifer's like a hua. So a virgin cow makes all sense. A hua. <laughs> a hua. <laughs> she's a hua. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. You know, you only get away with saying that word if you say it that way. Yeah, you have to say it like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Drop that R. Yeah. You should just. That's, 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 just, that's just good advice in general. No, never, never go with the hard R. Yeah. That's Water. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Throw the word Just stay there. Man. And my parts, and you know, they talk a lot of shit. They are not allowed to call people assholes. It's really interesting. You can call people a lot of things, mm-hmm. right? You can dress somebody down. You can pull out every nasty curse word there is in the book. Yep. But once you call somebody an asshole, you've crossed the line. That, yeah. is, that word creates fights. Mm. In, in baseball, it's a different word. There's like a, um, you, you can't, like, it's it's almost like a joke at this point. Bull Durham made it a thing. Like, uh-huh. But you, you can say anything you want to an umpire. You can, when you're arguing with him, you just can't call him a cocksucker. Yeah. Oh. It's the only thing you can't call him. And I think about all the ways that, like, you can get up to somebody before, like, you you know, but that's like the unwritten rule in baseball. And, you and can say whatever the, you want. And that's, that's one, one of the one tenets of the, is no assholes. Like, no assholes. So we're, no assholes. We're, we're, we're nipping it in the bud. Immediately. You know what I mean? Like, just how you're saying, you disarming that dynamite we're ripping out the views yeah. no assholes yeah. you yeah. just gotta know you're so you see it yeah, yeah, shit yeah, alright yeah, I can't yeah, go yeah. I'm gonna turn around you know an idiot juice <laughs> I'm out of here I'll see y'all yeah, later hey, idiot juice turns people into idiots oh, and yeah. you yeah. can't take it personal but that's funny because cocksucker is one of our favorite words you know? yeah yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah it's, we had a guy that came in uh, once uh, and uh, said uh, you know, security <laughs> security <laughs> that's right and uh, well you tell the story you tell the story was it? I don't even know who it was, was it. Was it Mitch? It that was name? Rich. No, but it was Rich. So, but yes, but Rich, he Mitch but he came he came aboard at security and and Mitch that ran the house one time. You know he said uh, his name was Rich, but uh, he said was, I'm, my, big I, I'm big um, rich. I'm big rich. Broke a rule. Six five four. No, you're not big rich. You're a cocksucker. <laughs> and, and yo, it's. It's tough from that day. Everybody <laughs> fucking called cocksucker, man. But it's like you different. don't give yourself your own nickname. A hundred percent. We give you a hundred percent. And if you're gonna come in and say I'm big, some people you gotta be the biggest guy. It's, yeah. it's the Seinfeld episode. T Bone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do have some smaller guys that work for us. You know, at the end of the day, it's not about who can beat somebody up. It's about who can talk somebody off a ledge. Sure. It's sure. about gentle giants or being a good communicator, and it's about presence. It's yeah. About if you can do both, though, all the better. Yeah. yeah. It's also, <laughs> the size is definitely a good deterrent. It helps. I've also seen guys yell, oh yeah, fuck you, motherfucker. That's right, I was fucking your mother last night. Uh, that's right, you're, you're so like, fucking fat. Yeah, when was like, the yeah. last time you saw your uh, fucking balls last night when they were resting on your mother's chin, motherfucker? Hob starts at the door, you know, and I was just doing Friday the, the, the two weeks ago. Girls coming in, I went, chill, girlfriend, with that high hair and that spandex, I didn't get the message. We're back in the '80s, man. And she's like, "Oh, really? Like that?" I go, 
that was like, you will not go in there, man. I'll tear you apart. Yeah. Yeah. How dare you? This place is canceled. It's meant to be lighthearted and it's meant to be fun. It's not a place for people to take themselves seriously. It's a place to have a good time. It's a place to relax. Yeah. You can't laugh at yourself, man. But it's also our bartenders have a responsibility to recognize if somebody is offended, if, Mm -hmm. if somebody didn't get the joke, then how do you win them over? Yeah. Like, oh, I love a guy that can take a good joke. Or, come on, here, sweetheart. I was just messing with you. Now, did, the, you know? did the government ever try to bust your, your chops about being a cabaret or anything like that? Have oh, they ever tried goodness. to come after you? So we had a big cabaret issue in New York City. Yeah, I bet. Um, but New York had a very antiquated uh, law, which was the cabaret law. And it started from a fire in the Bronx at a place called Happy Land in the 80s. Um, the doors didn't open out. They opened in, Ooh. and a fire started, and a whole lot when the bo- of people When died. the Bronx was burning. And they oh, put shit. a cabaret law into effect. Really, the reason the cabaret law went into effect, though, is because, you know, you had all these nightclubs up in Harlem that were... that were Whorehouses. Well, no, not that they were whorehouses. Every, you know, all white Hua folks wanted houses. to go up to Harlem mm-hmm. and hang oh, out sorry, yes, in Hua. these awesome cabarets and listen to this awesome music, and so they put a cabaret law into effect because it was really about, you know... Uh, Trying not to let those clubs become popular. Really? You know, right. Yeah, control. Our man. government so didn't want white people hanging out in Harlem. You're talking about I mean, 1980s? No, not no, in the no, 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. when I say the, the cabaret laws, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Very, very gotcha. So it was like with the Harlem Renaissance and stuff right. like that. Gotcha. The, the, the fire at Happy Land didn't start the cabaret law, forgive me. That is when they started taking the cabaret law enforcing and, it. and enforcing gotcha. it. Gotcha. Okay. But the cabaret laws came in much, much earlier. Yeah. And it really was, you know, our government's attempt to keep white people out of black folks. Gotcha, yeah, right? it, yeah. was, it was their attempt to, you know, keep people separate. And then they see stuff. the girls dancing on the bars and they're like, that's it, you gotta right. pay, you gotta, you know, some bureaucrat comes right. in. So, I mean, the, the absurdity of how that law started in the first place just mm-hmm. explains how absurd it is. But it's, it is definitely important. It defines certain safety protocols, like your doors need to open out. Sure. But, um, you know, my first husband was very vocal and, uh, it was interesting. I mean, our first customers were cops, cops and, and blue collar guys, mm-hmm. you know, construction workers, pipe fitters. And you said 92, 92 you started? In 1992. So was that when the first World Trade Center bombing was 92, was 94. right? It was 94? Ross Perot was running for president. Ross Perot. I'm, a, I'm, actually, I'm actually a Ross Perot guy. I'm a third party guy. Ross Perot got 18% of the vote. That's and that's right. damn good. Yeah. And he, and, he, and he destroyed a bush along the way, which is even better. Um, so, uh, we had a lot of cops that used to hang out at the bar and, yeah. you know, they, they were from a local precinct and they would get a little drunk and a little rowdy and the precinct got tired of hearing, you know, complaints from their own, about their own guys. Um, I, I don't know. It was a, an interesting time. And I guess, you know, maybe my husband ruffled some feathers. Yeah, you don't go, you don't do that. You um, don't go. Uh, well, no, we had a great relationship with, yeah. with the cops. I just... You know, I think he just ruffled the feathers of some higher ups and we became, you know, we caught the attention of whoever we caught. And next thing you knew, we had task force down all the time, you know, trying to catch us with underage, busting our chops. And they really couldn't, you know, we'd go to court. We always beat whatever bullshit ticket we'd been written. Yeah. Um, they're trying, know, you ca- yeah, they're trying to get you on a cabaret. Yeah, they're trying to get you on a cabaret. You're like, there's a hooker right there. <laughs> right. Right there. Right. Um, you know, right next to the drug dealer. Yeah. See that there's guy? A, there's oh, a yeah, hooker yeah. buying drugs from that guy. Why are there's you? There's a Hasidic Jew getting a blowjob from a tranny hooker right now. Go handle that shit. You know, because... Um, 
Well, anyway, I woke up. So uh, I can see these things. Yeah. yeah, I'm a heap, so I get it. You're, you're a Jewish girl who started our show off with uh, regaling tales of um, your good friend Adolf. So, like, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's, 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 you can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> you know? Listen, I was raised by a single mom in the late 60s. Mm. Um, hippie mom. She took us to pro choice rallies. She took us to no nukes rallies. We went to marches on Washington regularly. Gotcha. I was raised to be very, very conscious. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of charity. We give back to our community. It's really important to me that people that work for me know that I care about who they are. Mm-hmm. I want them to be who they are. Um, no one has to be ashamed of who they are or what they do in our place. Um, you know, we do our best to support our community. We have a, a merchandise line called Hogs Pride. Um, one of the lines is red, white, and blue. Percentage of the proceeds goes towards first responder, uh, charitable entities. Um, we have a pride line that is a rainbow flag, and a percentage of that. You know, when I first met AR, I, and he shook my hand and almost broke it into dust, I was like, that right there, that, that's a very progressive individual. That, that's <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, the, the, one of the possibly the most are the cardinal role is you leave your politics and religion at the door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's always yeah. we were raised in New York bars, too, man. Yeah, it just inflames too much, man. You know, just in today's day and age. Yeah, yeah especially now in today's age. Just, really come, just come in and have a drink and a shot, and you know, have a couple laughs. And have some fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but uh, the center is the the rainbow flag pride uh, line. Those shirts, and you know what's interesting? Okay, so those shirts, a percentage of it goes to a place here that's called the center, um, and it's the local LGBTQ alphabet mob of letters. Mm-hmm. Um, Organization and they they help anybody. I mean, they're really amazing, and there are really a lot of a lot of youth on the streets. Their parents don't accept them. They've been kicked out. You know, they're on the streets, living on the streets. Maybe they're selling their bodies, doing drugs, whatever they have to do to survive. And this organization really, really helps them. It's just an incredible, amazing place. We do a whiskey and watercolors event with them, where you know it's a painting event. We go to their place. We set a bar up there. Uh, we do a funny watercolor class. Um, you know, it's important to bridge communities. It's mm. important to bridge groups that 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 one would think would really contrast, you know, yeah. and and understand the humanity in the same level of empathy For sure. and decency. We're all just people trying to be people and doing. Now, normally here on Slick and Thick, we have a very strict uh, no no free shout outs rule here. But because you're Mickey's aunt, you know, oh, we'll, uh, we'll let so not, not, not. talk about that place. Okay, I understand. <laughs> so. Uh, but in any event, it's um, well. Now I just lost my train. No, no, no. So you you doing a merch? Well, you're the, doing a merch line for the we're charity. We're not do-gooders. And, yeah. is pretty much. You know, yeah. I mean, we do our. You best guys do a lot. You guys do a lot for the community our, for the our red, white, and blue shirt. This month it goes to uh, Las Vegas Metro. You know, so it's not. You know, I don't know. Sometimes I think we get labeled as you know. Sometimes we're bikers. You know, we're just Americans. You know, or sometimes we're liberals or whatever. You know. We're whatever, naughty what, whatever, yeah, but yeah, naughty, naughty do, you know, do-gooders, but it's the keyboard killers with you know their uh, comments on everything. You know, it's you know, just come down, come down, and have some fun, man. Huh? Mm-hmm. It's it's the one bar that that in Vegas I say I like to hang out because there's we're not part of this cult of gaming. There's no gaming in there. There's no TVs in there. You know, that's it's right. A, there is no gaming no, in there. Wow. No man, it's it's a saloon. Ah. It's an old Western saloon. You know, now, what beer what, and warm whiskey? What made you want to pick up from New York and, and head west? Ooh. Manifest, uh, manifest uh, destiny. It was go west, young man. Go west, young man. Where there forty acres and a mule out here That's for you? Right. Uh. 
um, Vegas came to us. So uh, the downtown um, regeneration project, if you will, uh, started in uh, the early 2000s. And um, the Mob Museum used to be the courthouse. The Keith Auburn hearings. Wait, wait. The Mob Museum used to be the courthouse? It was the post office. That's hilarious. It was the post That's office. That's great. <laughs> the Keith Auburn hearings were there? It was the post yeah. office and the oh, courthouse. Shit. And wow. the Keith Auburn hearings were held in, in that, on the second floor there, Holy in the courthouse. If you that. go to that museum, there's yeah, a, it's a reenactment, of it. reenactment yeah. of it on screens where you can watch the hearings take place and you can sit, you know, where they sat. Um, it's pretty awesome. But that was meant to be part of the process, and it was basically about figuring out how to rebuild downtown. Um, they were looking for businesses that uh, had a good theme and that could sustain in a neighborhood that was going to be in flux, right? So um, they they knew we could handle gritty, right? Because mm. at the time, this neighborhood was really, really gritty. I mean, right now, it kind of feels as gritty as it used to be just because... I don't know, there's so much construction going on and, and a lot of crime is happening downtown and COVID did a lot of damage, yeah. you know, the workforce, blah, blah, blah. But, um... Well, during COVID, the homeless took over downtown. Yeah. I mean, there's nobody down there. Everything was closed. It was like a, it was like a zombie movie. Well, well, I mean, so you guys had COVID. Now you have, uh, you know, a terrible inflationary economy afterwards. I mean, you know, 30 years here, and uh, the last three have had to, I imagine, this is a tourist destination. It's, it's, nobody can it's fly. It's 30 years total. So it's 17 years or 17 gotcha. years anniversary here. But then you want to ask them why we no longer in New York. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> really? Um, so Vegas came to us. We ended up coming out here. Um, that was 2000, out. you said? Yeah, they were putting together a fast-tracking committee of, of different city agencies and different businesses and different hotels and casinos mm -hmm. and Fremont Street. Were you still um, in uh, meatpacking during 9-11 when 9-11 yeah. happened? Yes. Wow. That, yes. Was, that's, that was intense. That must have now been Now you just changed subjects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's sorry, something sorry, I was actually going to yeah, bring sorry, up. I was going to bring we'll, that up we'll, later. But we'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah, we'll circle back to that. We'll go back to that. Um... And we were one of the very first businesses to open in downtown Las Vegas uh, during their rebuild. We are unique because you can come into the door like, mm -hmm. you know, Rich did last night in a suit dressed to the nines. Richie Peach. Right? <laughs> right? Or you could be in your, you know, construction boots and, you know, your, and your Carhartt overalls just coming off the job site with a hard hat in your, mm -hmm. under your arm. Um, it doesn't, you know, you could be a guy that, that makes 60 grand a year or somebody, a woman that makes $2 million a year. You never know who you're sitting next to. It's really a diverse gathering of people. Um, I like edgy neighborhoods, I like people that are willing to, you know, travel to an outpost, if you will, mm -hmm. that are looking to get off the beaten track that want to do something different. Yeah. A little cowboy, um, little outlaw, a little. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so we were a good concept and a business that would be able to survive that type of a change. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've survived a lot of recessions. We've survived a lot of hard times. Yep. I mean, I run a tight ship. I run a small ship. It's We're small but mighty. Sure. You know, we don't have assistance to assistance to assistance. We don't have multiple locations that I have to try to sustain. Well, that was my next question. Was the thought that you were going to do New York and Vegas or you just decided, you know what, We'll do one or the other. No, we were definitely going to do New York and Vegas, and we did for 10 years. Oh, you did? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, our term of lease came up in 2005. Okay. And the property had been, the building had been by then bought by a giant real estate investment hedge fund company. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and, you know, at that point, it's really, I think they paid, uh, what, uh, $18.5 million or something for the building, right? So now the rent isn't about a business that can survive. It's about a business that can pay the rent, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So in order to justify that mortgage, they have to raise the rent. Otherwise, if they give a lower rent, then they have to reassess the value of, of the their property. Mm -hmm. Now they lose money yep. and their investors flip out. And that so real, so real estate investment trusts. So we're is. talking about that is first. exactly what we're talking about, and yeah. that's what happened. So they raised our rent from you know 160 grand a year to over 700 thousand dollars. Oh a year. my god! Oh, it's 15 grand a month or a month or 60. I mean, you just, there's no rent control for, well, for businesses. We had, we had a lease locked in, yeah, for 23 years, and it went up by a certain percentage every year. Um, but when our term of lease came up. Then they're then it's like you know you're free to oh, negotiate. Oh, they pri they priced you out. They, that's so, brutal. And they knew we would keep it, and we couldn't pay for it. And, yeah. and it just is what it is. Happen all over New York, though. You know, one of the interesting things now is that you get all these businesses, these stores that are opening up, and they're chains. Mm -hmm. You know, whichever chain it is, it's a big chain. Yep. Opening up a store in a popular neighborhood, a storefront, is not about doing business necessarily in that storefront. It's a virtual billboard. Mm -hmm. Billboards are really expensive. Mm -hmm. right? But same price, a couple of billboards, you're paying rent. Now you have a virtual billboard. Uh, interesting. interesting. You have a space that somebody can come into. And they get the vibe. And they smell the smell. And they touch the clothing. And they try it on. Sure. They feel, you know, seduced by it. And then they leave. And they Maybe buy they buy a little thing. Yeah. Because they feel like they should. Sure. And then they leave. They go home. They get on a search engine. Mm -hmm. And they find it for less. Sure. So the same company has multiple brands. Yep. And they have multiple tiers of that brand. And they produce multiple levels of quality. Yep. And they push that those levels of quality out to different marketplaces. So now everybody can live the lifestyle. It's just somebody's wearing the best quality and someone else has the shittier quality. But... Ultimately, it's all being made in the same sweatshop. It's all wag the dog. Yep. Now, right? Well, that, that's interesting too because you talk about you know, uh, Ar was talking about how different it is. Um, I think the city is really going to struggle with the how how much we're moving towards a virtual workplace environment and a virtual yep. schooling environment because you can't justify those real estate prices. You can't justify, I mean, look, people can't, People aren't going to pay $16 for a slice of pizza. Right. You got a pizzeria paying $28 a square foot because the building next to it has 5,000 people in it. Fine. So I'm going to make, I'm going to make my money off of volume. But now that 5,000, you know, person building has 400, 500 people in it. Right. You know, what happens to that dry cleaner that's on that block? What happens to that? The neighborhoods are going to hollow out. Because you can't, you just can't afford it. And like you said before, the market forces aren't working the way that they're supposed to work because these real estate investment trusts are making their money off of the property value that they're trading shares of. They're not actually making the money off the rent that's being accumulated. Right. So um, it, it's a really, really, really interesting time to, to, you know, kind of, we're going through so much transition so quickly. It's, it's some of the urbanization is, is really going to struggle. Yeah. Um, 
and they don't really have a plan B in place. You talk about like the do-gooders and stuff. I think the do-gooders that are, are trying to accelerate this great reset or whatever you want to call it, um, they don't have a plan B for what happens if it doesn't work. And that's going to be a situation that, that is, is going to be pretty, pretty interesting to watch play out. Right. Um, but being out here in the West in the desert might be a good place to be holed up for it all. So, <laughs> well, if nothing else, if there's you know a giant earthquake, California will have oceanfront property. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Learn, <laughs> learn to swim. Yeah. Well, I mean, but you came out here 20 years ago, and now Vegas is nobody. I think Nashville and Vegas are the two fastest growing cities. In, Nash in, Vegas, baby. Nash Vegas. The oh. Gaylord family. They've just done a huge. If, if you're looking to expand hogs and heifers, man, we'd love one in uh, in Fort Lauderdale and Nashville. Would be fantastic. Too, we almost not? opened a location in Nashville. Oh, God, I love Nashville so much. But again, I just, I don't know. I, I just decided I didn't want a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to sacrifice ingenuity, individuality, and independence for money. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't worth it to me. Yeah. You know, how much money do you need in life? So, you know, at some point, if I ever want to sell my brand, I'll give somebody the, the method behind the madness. Teach them how to write set lists, yep. <laughs> and you can cheese it out. But you know, for me, it's it. I've had people have offered to purchase the company. I need to know that my staff's taken care of. Mm-hmm. So I need to know that I have people that have worked for me for eighteen years. They've given me the best work years of their life. It's not that they've gotten nothing in return. They've had a great job, and and you know, working for somebody that genuinely cares about them. Um, but I want to know that they have a future. So do I have, am I able to find a place for them? Or are you paying me enough money that I can give money to certain people that work sure, for me sure. and know that they're able to move on in their lives and it's not just the rug pulled out from under them and on out? Yeah. You know, so I, I mean... Plus you'd be bored. You don't want to, you don't want to, what are you going to do? You'd be bored. <laughs> you know? I need to get back to traveling. Is that what it is? I need to travel around the world. You know, we always wanted to do hogs on like a ship, but I don't like, I've never been on a cruise because I just, I don't know, something about cruises freaks me out. Um, and after COVID, I don't know if we'll ever go on a cruise. Mm. But the only way I would ever do a cruise is if it was a hogs cruise. Right. Mm. And, you know, it's a great idea. Just, so we could just go from port to port and we didn't have to deal with all of like the laws. Yeah. Laws suck. <laughs> right. Laws on sea. I'd rather deal with yeah. those laws. We could just have a roll, a roving party um, on some, you know, big old ship. So be pirates. What, what, what do you think if you, uh, you know, in business, I mean, you're remarkably successful businesswoman, 30 years doing this. What what would be some advice to other women that may be wanting to get into the industry? Uh, all, all, you know, all six female fans that we have are going to really enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, like you said, it is an all boys club and it is a, a situation where, you know, you know, you are one of one, you know, what could you give, what advice could you give to have people replicate the success that you've had? Um, I would say that if you're going into the bar business, first of all, you don't get high on your own supply. <laughs> you. She says after I think we bought sixty shots for her bartenders last night, but yeah. Yes, but that's you. Not me. <laughs> um, it's not a good business to be in if you're a big drinker. You'll drink yourself to death. Mm. Um, you know, I have often said to people that you really have to know your customer base and like your customer base. Um, because you're going to spend a lot of time with them. So if you're going to open a business, 
you, you have to be there. You have to be on site. You know, I, I think I'm unique in this day and age because I'm an operator. And being an operator is different than being a business owner. A lot of people invest in businesses. Oh, yeah, I own a bar, I own a club, and 20 people own it, right? But are you an operator? Are you hands-on? And in, in, to, for me, longevity is, is about staying involved in it. And so you've really got to enjoy what you do. Is it a thin line between being an operator and, and, and micromanaging or, or yes. overstressing or, you know, how do you turn the anxiety off? You know, because it's one thing. I mean, what, I think what a lot of people don't understand is like everybody wants to be their own boss. Everybody hates their boss. And then, you know, you're like, ah, but then you realize you went from working 10 hours a day to working 24 hours a day. You're, yeah, you're absolutely. never off the clock, Seven right? Days a week, so, you're yeah. never off the clock. Um, yeah, it took me a, lot, a long time to not micromanage. Um, you know, it took a while to come to a place where, uh, where I could start stepping back and letting other people make mistakes and letting other people stumble and then we figure out the solutions and we move forward. Um, and it's just about finding the right people and that takes a long time also. Um, you know, and, and you can have people that you've worked with for years and you grew together and you could count on them and then, you know, you start growing in a different direction and that relationship maybe goes awry and they contributed amazing things, but it's time to part ways. And, you know, there's that fear that, especially when you're, and that's the hardest thing about being a small company and not having assistance to assistance to assistance is that there isn't always somebody to step in for a key position. And you can't just hire anybody from the street to come in because in a business like mine, you've got to earn respect. And you, you've got to know it from the inside. Like most of our management are promoted from inside as opposed to coming from outside. Um, right now, I have a really amazing team. Um, and, and I'm finally really actually able to step back. We don't have to go to work if I don't want to. Um, I've never had that before. So it's, it's interesting and it's unique. Um, and, uh, and I have become a calmer person. I used to be a lunatic. <laughs> really? Come into my office and shit would be flying. I'd throw in chairs, kicking over garbage cans. You know, I'm a scorpion. Fiery. I mean, I've got a great personality. I'm super friendly. I'm super joyous. And you back me in the corner and I'm a fucking pit bull. Um, it took me a long time to kind of get that aspect of my temper under control. It flares every now and then. And everyone's like, I would lock her up in the closet. <laughs> you know? Um, and you got to be a little crazy to do what I do. I mean, you have to like a lot of mayhem and, you know, a little bit of insanity. And you've got to be able to, you have to have flexibility. So I often say to women, you know, women have a, an opportunity of flexibility that most men never have, mm -hmm. right? And, and we can wear any hat we want to wear on any given day. So who do you need to do, be today? You know, are you a rock star or are you a brain surgeon today? Right? Do you need to be prim and proper? Or can you sit around in your overalls and curse with the fellas? Um, you know, can you wear an evening gown and, you know, have dinner at the finest restaurant in town? And, you know, can you hang, you know, with the guys on the corner and paint the side of a house? Um, and you can do all of those things in between. And you have any one of these, you know, characters, if you will, that you can pull out at any moment to navigate any situation. And I think it's really about flexibility and about, you know, the ability to just 
to, to touch people, to connect with people. Um, and I, I feel like, for me, that's what longevity has been about. You have to be able to adapt yeah. or adjust. Mm-hmm. You know, we were joking around about Madonna before, but you got to give it to that lady. Yeah. I mean, she has, she's a chameleon. And she's really managed to transition generation through generation through generation. Um, it's coined, no, there's no such thing as bad press. I love it, man. Yeah. She didn't care. Yeah. Now, yo, not for nothing. I don't know if anybody knows, and we brought it up. Our 30th anniversary, we uh, built a replica of our New York City bar on the street in front of the Vegas bar. Using our New York yes. City bar. Yes. Using the, yeah, the actual bar. Yeah. yeah. The actual bar. And it's been a three day block party. And I'm missing my favorite band right now, Riley Sound. Riley Sound. Oh, oh uh, my God. So good. So, well, you walk out the door, there's a whole scene going on out there, man. Yeah. So, uh, AR, man, how did, how did you get involved with Hogs and Heifers? How did I get involved with Hobbs and Heifers? A guy named Big Paul, legendary guy, ran our sister bar called Raccoon Lodge. And uh, that's was my kind of hangout. He goes, yo, man, let's go check out this Hobbs and Heifers. But up there, but I knew the guy, the guy, Big Joe, who was just a classic. I mean, this guy was six, I mean, he'd snatch you up over his head, man. I mean, just a legendary guy that had a big white cowboy hat on. And uh, yeah, went up there and kind of hung out with him. And then I met... The guys up there, it was just a, it was just a great bar. Like I said, there was no TVs, man. You know, it was, it was a you know, back in the day, talk shit, get hit, you know, talk shit, get hit, you know. Fuck uh, around was, and find out. Yeah, that's exactly. Mr. That's fuck around was, and find was, out right that here. That was my bad old days. But uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, I just it was a place I love. It was a three hour paps, man. You know, you know, and it was just. It was a dollar seventy five. Inflation. Well, I remember three <laughs> So. Uh, I knew all security there. And I knew I, I knew of Michelle and, and uh, you know, but I, I go over to see my boys just for a little flavor, you know? And uh, and then I uh, uh, um, had a little timeout from the federal government. I had, to go, I had to go to federal weightlifting camp for three years. <laughs> when I got out, man, a guy uh, that I called, they called my rabbi in the elevator. And she goes, listen, they are. I know you're a hustler, man, and I know you can't go back and run legally running bars and stuff. So, this man, you're gonna get rich, maybe make a real good living. You want to try building elevators? I'm like, oh, fucking fella, I got nowhere to go right now. Yeah, let's try it. And that's when I started. And I, I got into uh, putting elevators and skyscrapers. So, I was part of that construction crew when I got off at 334, especially if I had a bad day. There was a girl, Kelly, there. I knew if I walked in, man, I'd walk out pretty much pissed drunk and laughing my ass off, man, you know? So to me, it was just got, then it's going to be a regular spot, man, you know, and that's where all the, that's where the hard hats hung out, man, you know, and, and, uh, it, because it was just, just a, a slice of Americana, especially in New York City with price and stuff that you'd like to hear. A lot of people come down, like, come down here because there's no gambling, but also, $6 beer and $7 shots, none of the prices, you know, that you have on the strip to me reminds me of Times Square in New York. I'll go up there if it's mm, a show or something gotcha, I'll yeah. see, you know? So, yeah, and, uh, uh, then I I, I uh, became best friends with this young woman, and I refused to date her for way too many years because that was Switzerland to me, man. That was my whole bar. I'm not fuck like everybody else trying to map on the bartenders and grooming show, whatever. I'm a fuck that man. I walked in the door, they're all happy to see that. I'm like Norman Cheers. Oh, <laughs> they throw me a pass to the air, man. Thanks, you know. Um, yeah, and it was just a cool place to hang out, and I didn't want to kind of fuck things up, man. Um, I don't go into this fucking story. I would love so, you to. Okay, so uh, so I came out here for Bike Fest in one year. It was when Aria opened up, and uh, 
my, my boy Big Ted, man, it's beyond brother, man. I mean, if, it, if I had a problem, I knew what I'd get together. You know, he's six foot eight, 400 pound, gentle giant, monster, huge Jet fan. I was a giant fan. And he worked you know, for Hawks. He was one of my yeah, security friends. But he drove a truck during the day and then worked at night. Was, I mean, it was crazy yeah. the amount of hours he worked. And he married so, one of my bartenders. Well, no, what he did was, I'm sitting there with Ted <laughs> in the back of the bar going, yo, something you with Justine, man. She goes, whatever, I'm watching body language here, bro. You're, you're breaking the cardinal rule, man. You're with one of the bartenders. They can see who's been having both our mushrooms for left her ass. So I got to know Justine, and she was super cool. So it turns out that was basically Michelle's best friend married my best friend. You know, so uh, that was super cool. So I came out for Bike Fest. Um, uh, this was after they were married. I won't go into the whole, the, the whole wedding story, but uh, I came out here, and he was working on his... Uh, on his wife's Tahoe and somehow broke loose and fell on his chest. And that would have killed most people, man. But they, uh, the Bridgewater cops took eight cops to get the truck off his chest. Died like three times on the way to the hospital. Well, yeah, I got the call, man. I just got, they had, they had to carry me home from here, you know, from, from this bike fest. Uh, I called the ma- master sergeant. Yeah. And uh, no one could get a flight yeah, to New York. You know, and, and, and the master sergeant was like, yo, bro, should I come home? He goes, why, man? I don't think he's going to make it. Fuck, man. So I came home. I told I finally took a flight home and I told the union, I need some time off, man. You know, I was in the hospital. How long? I don't fucking know, man. You know, and it was weird. So little by little, they said he never speak. They never do this, and he kept defeating the odds. You know, he had an anoxic injury, yeah. so all the circuitry got fried, uh-huh. and it's like a forest fire, right? It takes years and years and years for that path for that path to regrow. Right? Right. So once it's scorched, now it has to find another avenue to try to connect. And so you have, when you have an anoxic brain injury, if you're recovering, you start to recover, and then you hit one of yeah. those scorched pathways, and now you have to try to recircuit and find a way through. Right. So you have steps forward, steps back, steps forward, steps back. So, uh, so uh, I was just, I'd sit by his side every day, man, and, you know, wipe his spittle or his ass or whatever, man. I mean, but boy. And, uh, and she used to come to, uh, she came back from Vegas, she come to New York. She come out to uh, take a train out to uh, the New Brunswick Hospital there and, and sit with me, you know, with Petty. Um, and then the, <laughs> the fateful one night, uh, I, was, uh, I remember, I remember it was yesterday, uh, Minnesota's playing the Yankees. We fucking <laughs> own the Twins. We own the Twins, That's man. True. But, I want to go to, she lives right down the street from our sister bar, Raccoon Lodge, where Big Paul was. Listen, man, you live right here. I just need to get the fuck out of Jersey and, like, put a serious fucking drunk on. I went to the Raccoon Lodge and got fucking hammered, man. I remember one time I was playing music on a jukebox, and she tried to reach over and go, yo, get your own fucking money, man. Play your own music. And I went to spin around. And she accidentally tripped me. I went face first in the crowd, man. <laughs> and Vinny Director was, hey, nobody laugh at the Wookiee. Nobody laugh at the Wookiee, man. <laughs> so I get up. I fucking find go, seriously, you did that to me, man? You know, and we were just laughing and joking. And, uh, and my plan was I'm going to go uh, sleep in her loft. Uh, I'm about the last thing I remember, man. And then the next thing I know, man, I fucking fell off of something, man. I hit a hardwood floor. I'm like, uh, fucking... Man, this ain't the shelf off, man. Uh, fucking, 
And then all of a sudden, her head comes over the fucking, I go, oh, oh, whoa, what is your fucking bedroom? She goes, Ten years to try to get you in the bed and you fucking pass out on me? I'm like, no, no, no. She said that, like, seriously? And I'm, I'm making it worse. I'm laughing. I'm going, ah, ah, Ten years. Never, it's never going to happen, Shelby. I fuck everything up, man. And you're my best friend. We will never be together, you know? Listen, man. Let's take a shower. We're going to bite the eat. You want to come back to, back to Jersey with us? We did, and, uh. I said, you know You've what, been man? together ever since? Yeah, man. I was like, you know what? But the king and queen. Up, man, you know? So, uh, yeah. That's coming up on, well, the 12, I think 12 years. Yeah, coming around, coming up on our 10th anniversary. Coming 10th anniversary. So, uh, yeah, so it ends up, um, uh, I just feed, I just finished working on Hallow Ground, man, a Freedom Tower. We just put, uh, just uh, did our section elevators. And, uh, and uh, I was supposed to go to Tower 3, which is right next door. And in the meantime, I had to go up uh, to, to this job in Midtown uh, to work uh, until Tower 3 was actually ready to start. Um, they were nice enough to give me a couple months off where I'd come out and I, I stayed in Vegas with Michelle. Then my boy Bobby Pups goes, hey, you got to get back to New York. We're going to go to train yards for a couple months and then we're attacking Tower 3. Uh, Tower 3, man, is way behind. I know I'm going to make a shitload of money, man. You know, so... Um, much less working on that hallowed ground, man. You know what I mean? It's, it was a big honor, you know. Uh, look at those reflecting pools. I'm, I'm not going down that road. Anyway, I, I Pops goes, yo, motherfucker, pack our fucking tools. We're hitting fucking Tower 3. I'm like, oh, man, let's go. And that day, man, she calls me and said, listen, man, uh, the manager, uh, he stepped out, of, stepped out of a truck and broke his femur. So he had, had bone marrow cancer. And, uh, and the assistant manager had already given notice and had a week left. And she's like, "Yo, you have to give two weeks notice. I need help out here." And I went back into the uh, went back into the manager shack and go, "Yo, pups, Murph, man, I'll tell you this, man. I give you two weeks notice." They go, "What the fuck are you talking about, kid?" Uh, I explained it. They go, "Listen, you fucking two weeks. Get out of here, man. Go help your wife. You ever want a job? Come back." And I've been here eight years since then. Uh, so uh, it's uh. It's a wild ride, man. It's a great place, you know. Um, like you say, you go in there and everything is donated. Uh, did a lot of cool stuff from Secret Service, from, from guys overseas. Uh, I, I had the honor. My father, God rest his soul, was uh, uh, commander, uh, naval air. And uh, there's 50 uh, F-16 pilots that come back every year for their reunion. And at one time, man, I had literally like this, man. I'm going in it, I'm behind a bar, and they go, uh, hey, we got something for you, AR. And they're going about how I'm such a patriot and love this kind of listen, man. Uh, I think everybody should be this way, man. You guys go over and fight and die so we can do this fucking crazy shit, you know? And they said, yo, what well, are we going to give some to the bar? And they had a helmet with the AR stitched into it. And they said, yo, this did 102, uh, uh, 102 sorties in Desert Storm. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I'm tearing up big time, man. Uh, just because it's, it's great that. Um, you get people that get it, you know what I'm saying? That fucking, you know, it's not about being a patriot, man. It's about being American, loving America, you know? It's not about being a Republican, a Democrat, or, you know, or, 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 or you know, black, white, Protestant, Catholic, man, we're all Americans, man. You know, and, and, and actually, this is going on down a different rabbit hole. The coolest thing about being in New York from 9-11 is that it was like we're all a state, a, a small neighborhood. You know, it's USA, USA, you know? And I was hoping that COVID, when that happened, was going to do the same thing. Obviously, 
It didn't. Polarized uh, everything, man. But, I mean, it's really cool. We, we've taken motorcycle trips, been everywhere. You get people from all walks of life, man, that come in and just say, hey, you know, I asked him, you know, how'd you, how'd you find this place? Uh, my cousin Clem from Iowa fucking said it's the greatest bar on earth, you know? So it's it's really for us it's it's word of mouth, you know, and it's uh it's a lot of fun. It, and watch it's great when people they go, yo, you got a great staff. They're like, yo, man, I think about it. you know, that girl did this or you know, we really had a great time. But then every once in a while, man, you know, like six months, you'll get a female say, Listen, I just wanna let you know how safe I feel in your bar. You know? So it's uh yeah, it's a little. It's a slice of Americana. It man. is, man. It that's really what it is. is. It's it's that's part of the it's part of the culture. It really is. Or we're die, or man, we're just a slice of America, man. Everything on the walls about firemen, about cops, iron workers, man. We're just you know, just regular people having fun. So that's all I got to say. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Fucking perfect. What else? <laughs> I think I think that's a good way to, to take it out. What do you think? God bless America. Some Howler God bless America. Uncle for Dana. Sure. Have we introduced Howlerhead yet? No. Let's talk yeah. about Hellerhead. It's fucking delicious. I was hoping Dana was going to come down for the, uh, for the anniversary. Yeah. Now. He, he, co- he exactly. commented on the, on this, the Instagram this is Dana, post. This is Dana White's new whiskey. It's not because Dana White's new whiskey. I'm not a whiskey drinker. And it's, kind of, it's, it's actually a, it's good. It's a banana-like yeah. aftertaste. Yeah. Fucking, it's phenomenal, man. So, uh, like, when I'm looking at a bar, right, we have, like, 40 whites and 40 browns, okay? And it's all set up for fast for fast movement. So your whiskeys, your rums, your all your now. Drinks. If someone wants to cut, this. someone wants to okay, yeah, I got this great new whiskey for you. All right, well, what is it? Okay, I say to vent, and I say to my distributors, okay, what do you want to give up? Because I only got forty spots, you know. Or we'll start it on uh, top shelf, and hopefully it'll work into the rotation, you know, of the four different stations. But I tried this stuff, man. I was like, I don't know, let's go, man. Yeah, just because it tastes great, man. You know, what's better than that? Yeah. So that's uh that's our that was one of our new sponsors um uh for uh, our thirtieth anniversary. And I appreciate Martin and, and Howlerhead for sending us to uh to what to was the it, USC two seventy nine, yeah. Where we made a shitload of money on it. Oh yeah. <laughs> on, on, on Diaz, <laughs> on man. On Diaz, yeah. yeah. Called that shit. Yeah, we had that we oh, my that phone shit. had died, man, and he he recorded me, he's like recorded the decision that Panther and he goes. I said, thank you, Nate Diaz, for making me $2,800 motherfucking dollars, man. <laughs> we had the greatest time that night. And I see you got that Stiegel Rattler up in here, too. I know that's your, yeah, that's well, your drink, I, too. I, listen, I love goes, that sound. It's that, so good. You know everybody goes, ah, oh, you know what? Hey, there's only like you know, less than 3% alcohol, and it's a pussy drink, or it's like soda. I go, I can drink this stuff all day. And yeah. I get drunk. And it's the best hangover beer, as far as I'm concerned. But it, because it tastes like almost like a grapefruit soda. Yeah. So me and Richie P drank a whole bunch of those out in uh, L.A. one time, and then we best, came man. we came through here, and we, we yeah, saw exactly. you with them. We we're like, "What?" Well, it's crazy. They don't sell in a bar. You know, I tried no, it numerous times. You know, because again, we can only have I think it's like fifteen beers. You know, because our it's our, just our storage. Setup. How much space we have? Exactly. Right. Yeah. So uh, you know, I've tried it numerous times. It just doesn't sell like these fucking seltzers, man. White claw, man. It's like I don't know. I'm drinking claws, man. It's probably too old for you, man. But that's like the. I can't believe we sell white claws. It's like it's like the Zima, the new fucking. And you couldn't. We did not carry Zima when Zima came. You asked for Zima, and you were. Yeah, you really? get abused, uh, right? Destroyed. I, I made the mistake of asking for a lime in my drink. Oh, the other oh. Night. Oh. no excuse lemon, me. no lime, no excuse salt, me. no sugar, yeah. no onions, no tomato juice, no pineapple juice, no frozen drinks, no margarita glasses, no wine glasses, no wine, and no motherfucking wine. 
<laughs> you fucking I'll, full of them. I'll have a beer. All yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. I'll take, I'll so how do you uh, want kind of shot to go with it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let me ask you. How do you uh, how do you handle the the guys like you said? You got to love your clientele. How do you handle the guys that are regulars that like fall in love with these girls? Like you know. Yo, man, that's funny. <laughs> How do you, you know? Right, right, man. Because last night, man, we had our main name was one of the strippers. Like, yo, man, that girl's out of shit, man. Uh, uh, I go, don't, yo, bro, listen to you right now. That's that, my daughter. Watch, watch, watch. No, that girl makes me money. Okay, it makes us money, which makes you money, which means you don't fucking touch my fucking girls. Man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's not happening. It was funny actually. I was sitting with uh, Terrence, our uh, Tito's rep, yeah. and he played for Colorado State, big buff guy. Yeah, he, I mean, he's you know just good looking black man. And one of the girls is behind the, the, the bar, Deanna, and this uh, older white lady comes up, and I don't know, maybe because she's black, she goes, Deanna, you should be you should be dating him right here. And Terrence he, <laughs> <laughs> he goes, ain't happening, lady. I'm selling liquor to these people. I ain't touching none of their girls. I yeah, he, he knows, knows the rules. rules. Is, it, is, there, the rules. is there a rule against, uh, do you try to tell the girls no no fraternizing? Is that the idea yes, here? Well, yeah. I'll tell you right now. But, well, if, if it's a regular, yeah. okay, and you end up stooping them. And then he comes in, he wants free drinks, you know, sure. hip stop, you know, and we lose customers. You got some balls being married to the owner telling them they can't hook up with nobody, no, no, I mean. I'll tell you right now, when, as soon as they get married, as soon as they get uh, hired, I go to a mall. I go to girls, hey, do me a favor, don't fuck anybody. And they go, what? I go, I wouldn't. I go, yeah, whatever, I've heard that a few times. And then I go to the guys, hey, do me a favor, don't fuck anybody, because you're at a disadvantage. That girl puts money in the fucking drawer I can find any monkey to fucking get a, uh, to, to check an ID so if I find out about it because 99% of the time relationship, relationships don't work well it's and the four knows know who's who know who's fucking who know who not to fuck with and know who not to fuck whoa whoa one more time <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I gotta write this down. What was that now? One more time. The four knows. The four knows. Yeah. Know who's who. Know who's fucking who. Okay. Know who not to fuck with. Okay. And know who not to fuck. Let's now let's break that down to the ma- into the micro. We know the macro. All right. But the worst one is know who's who. Tell know me. Who's who. What does that mean? Um, well, you gotta pay attention. So we have customers that come, you know, we have customers that are regulars that maybe we haven't seen for years, but they used to live here and they were in all the time or they're, we call them traveling regulars. Um, you know, we really, you've got to know who is in the room. So I say to my bartenders, you're brand new. We haven't had a chance to introduce you to everybody yet, but you pay attention when people walk through that door. Who do they stop and talk to? Who do they greet? How does the staff react to them? Is everybody excited to see that person? Mm-hmm. That do is- they have a New York City shirt on? Yeah, no, yeah, man. Sure, <laughs> I pretty City. much know that guy's royalty here, man. Yeah. So on. it's common sense. Oh, who are you? You must be somebody, you know, blah, blah, blah. Clearly, that's not the person that you're suddenly going to start yelling at on a megaphone. Because chances are, they seem to know everybody here. They clearly know this place longer than you know this place. Got it. Read the room. Right? So it's an aspect of... For us, it's again, this is a communication thing, right? This is information is constantly passed along. So, from the front door, it'll go to the head of the bartender team, down the line to the bartenders. That's so and so. This is how they like their drink two ice cubes, don't change the ice every time. You know, they like it to get a little watered down as they drink, so they're not drinking as much. Everybody's kind of got their specifics, right? But there is that aspect of, of it's important to know who's it. It's part of being successful in this industry. Um, know who not to fuck with means know who you're not going to get on a megaphone and 
and start with, you know, or who, if, you know, there seems to be an issue or a misunderstanding, then defer to a senior person on management to handle it. If you're stupid enough where I'm having a personal conversation with someone or Michelle's having, and you can see we're familiar with that person. And then the next thing you know, you're wanting that person thrown out. Exactly. It's not that that person's untouchable. They're not. It's just how we handle it. I have to be able to have my employees' backs. Mm -hmm. You have to handle yourself in a fashion that lets me have your back. But also, if you've been this this nice and if you've been as accommodating as you are, I mean, and then... It's on. It's incumbent upon that person not to disrespect your house as well. Yes, it is. Oh, you know? And so, sure. as long yeah. as my oh, staff yeah. handles themselves well, I can turn to that person and say, hey, "We've known each other all these years. We're giving my yeah. staff a hard time." Yeah, what's wrong with you? Yeah. You know, we or, turn up. Or the, or the best of the company go. I know Ar or I know Michelle. Mm-hmm. So, well, then you know, our staff go. That's very good. So do we. Uh, you know, but what? What? Well, if you know them that well, give them a call. Let me see the fucking phone number. Because I'll tell you right now, none of AR or Michelle's friends will use their name or disrespect their bar. Sure. Because if you are taking care of people, you're just friends, you know? Mm-hmm. They know better. So. That's a great way to, like, you know, that's a great way to ruin a friendship, though. I mean, you come into somebody's house, they take care of you, and then you decide, well, like, I, I own the place. Yeah, but, you know? No, I'm saying that, but what bothers me sometimes, too, look, I've always been a, been a guy, I throw my money in the, on a bar. If you want to take it, you take it. If you don't, you don't. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I just, I hate people that come in and want to, you know, feel like they're not supposed to pay for something or they're supposed to be treated a certain way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, my friends, are, they're not going to say, yo, I know the owner, because they do. I'm going to, you know, again, you, it's just a, 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 a way to conduct yourself or a meeting. Class, so I get you know that all the time in my, in, as a comedian, and I was talking to Mick about this too, it's like, um... The worst is when they're like, eh, dude, I can't wait to see your show. Come to your show. And then they act like they don't know how the internet works. It's like, so how do I buy a ticket? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's for sure. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. You go to this link right here. Oh, oh, so I just I just click the link and, yep, yeah. and you buy the ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you want a comp ticket, I'm going to make you ask me to do it. I'll do it, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I want you to ask. Like, because this is how I pay my bills, man. Like, yeah. Like, well, I'm not, you know, it, it's just... It's one of those things when when you're you know I, I it's it's always nice like to be taken care of and stuff like that but you better give more than you're getting as much as yeah. you can right like otherwise you're not a friend you're you're a leech then that, that, well, it's every the, time the this person the, comes around the so worst like, part too is if you if you go like this weekend we have these you know daily VIP which means we put on you know your guest ours today take care of the girls though yeah and I'm always thinking I have done this when I've been you know somebody's club or somebody's bar. I keep track of what I what I what I what I what I drink, mm-hmm. you know. When I get a guest in, I'm gonna tip at least probably eighty percent because, you know, you you should have paid a hundred percent plus hundred twenty with a tip. You For know, sure, you're still making it out. Hey, when clowns they come in, they drink on they you know and only girl twenty you know twenty dollars after you know drinking for three hours though. Yeah. And for some people. You know, it's better to just pay for, for the record. We home. tipped really, really well last night. Oh, yeah, for, sure for, for the record, <laughs> this is what it's going to say: is that you know, it almost ends up costing you more because you're like, oh, I got to tip these girls. Yeah, I got to tip for these sure. girls. Yeah. So it's like shit. You should have yeah. just paid for your drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Because <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that this morning. Wow. Go back, go back to the other thing, man. Uh, you got watch these girls are perspective, ooh, perceptive. Yeah. You know, I had a guy a couple weeks ago, man, that got. Hammered, 
And I was like, I go, all right, what's that all about? What's that motherfucker was fucking... He couldn't figure out who to flirt with. Who's flirting <laughs> with each one of them? <laughs> them? Shooting hey, the shop. Figure out which one girl wall. you want to be with. <laughs> <laughs> and they kept beating him. I come out of here. I have to go, dude, what did you do to this guy, Ari? She goes, I did my fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wrap this up. So I, we appreciate you guys well, giving well, us all this time. Michelle... And Michelle, you're a rock star. You. You're a boss bitch. Appreciate you, Uncle Larry. You're OG. You're a legend. Appreciate you. Appreciate you guys taking care of me out here. Let me stay at the house. Always everything. Appreciate you guys. I, always. I, you guys are family. You Thank always you. have a home with us. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. God bless Best. America. God bless America. Slick and thick. Subscribe. Do all that stuff. If you made it this far, you know how the internet works. Like we said, subscribe, share it, fucking, uh, and then we'll see you guys. And next come time. to Hogs and Heifers, the baddest bar come in the world. Come to Hogs and Heifers. Last day at a three day block party, dude. Come Let's to Hogs go. and Heifers. Get out, you. Can it's I have be... comp tickets to your next show? One hundred. <laughs> <laughs> just, just tip the girls. Just tip the girls. <laughs>